Rangers and Angel Grove residents, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my studious co-host, Kennedy. How's it going, brother? You know, it just is. (laughs) 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 And today, we have our guest co-host, Eleanor Yanega. How's it going? You know, um... I haven't seen any large monsters around here lately, so it's uh, a good day in Angel Grove. How is my Slav queen doing? You know, it's it's as good as it can get. I just like I can't even be enthusiastic anymore. Help! Help. <laughs> I, I've been saying this a lot, but like the scale of good has just changed in 2020. Like sometimes people ask me, "Hey, how's it going?" I'll be like, "It's good," but what I really mean is like it's like a four out of ten. You know, yeah, yeah, real talk. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, you know, it's just we are, we're in terms of like the spectrum of what things are, we're just like way down one end or another. You know, I don't want to tell you how to view color, I don't know what your negative color is, but like we're, we're just more deeply saturated with that. That's all I'm saying. Well, the lower version of all of this is that Kennedy, I've literally asked Kennedy how he has been for like the past four episodes, I think five episodes now that we've done. <laughs> And it's he went from going hey to like ah uh, well let's not talk uh-huh. about let's not talk about everything right now let's yeah. just move on to the next point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do a show do where I talk about everything that's going on all the time already. So this is the show where I don't do that and I talk about Power Rangers. <laughs> Hell yes! <laughs> Hell yes! <laughs> Speaking of, Eleanor, what is your experience with the Power Rangers? Okay, so, like, my Power Ranger experience is actually fairly in-depth, but in a weird way, right? Because I was, like, I was, like, slightly too old for Power Rangers because this was, like, like, hardcore older millennial times. So we were, like, extraordinarily aware. But I was kind of, like, interested in it from, like, an ironic standpoint. Because I think I was like in year six or something like that when they came out. And like everyone knew that like you shouldn't like it, but everyone kind of did like it. So you pretended to be kind of ironic about it. Like I definitely bought Power Rangers shirts at like Value Village and stuff like that, you know. Um, And I went, for example, to the theaters to see the Power Rangers movie with my youngest brother, who was the target audience, but I was like a couple years older. Uh, but you know, it was still like a good, wholesome fun. And fun fact, one of my big catchphrases that I like to throw around comes from the Power Rangers movie, which is uh, the bones, the ground is littered with the bones of those who have tried and failed. <laughs> and I, I will say that all the time. And it's like such That's a deep metal. cut that like, no one knows what the fuck I'm talking about. And I'm absolutely talking about the Power Rangers movie, which I saw in cinemas. Thank you very much. So That's like, you know, I'm that's like historical, I, ironic posting. When people look back at history and they go, what is the earliest example of ironic posting? They look to 1995 AD of, yeah. <laughs> of <laughs> a bunch of kids going like, I don't actually like Power Rangers. I just bought this shirt ironically. It's all a bit. Yeah, like, 
yeah it was like a completely a bit but also like not you know because it's good it's good fun but we were also kind of like hyper aware of stuff like we would be really obsessed with the monsters that were so very clearly like part of uh, whatever was going on on the japanese show so like my favorite character arc and and thing was about the pachenko machine monster <laughs> which is like a deep deep cup where they're like oh yeah you know that's a sidle craze for pachenko and it's like no bro we don't know but no I one love knows all what this. you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> but i love everything that's happening right now that's so, actually you know, a later it, episode it just, of this season too you're 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 um, you're right you're right on you're right on track actually Yes. See, I know exactly what I'm talking about because I've seen all of this shit and I'm into like I'm into it. I feel it. I feel it deep in my soul, you know, like it's just from an from an irony standpoint, allegedly. But you know, who actually knows what twelve year olds think, you know? Eleven year olds, I guess, actually. Whatever the fuck, you know. But I, I thought I was being cool and I kind of was, and I'm sort of like, shout out to eleven year old me. Glad I can do this. You know? I, I'm so glad you brought up the like being a little too cool for it, but then not really aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Because as like mm -hmm. a mid-range millennial, even like I was still like I started to phase out of watching the Power Rangers around Time Force and like I was getting a little quote unquote old for it by then. And I definitely remember me and all my friends being like, yeah, I don't really watch that anymore. But then it's like we're all definitely watching it all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that, that thing. Where it's like, so no one, no one my age was watching it, but everyone was definitely watching it. You know what I mean? Sure. So that, that sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm the the lone kid over here in my childhood because when I was watching Power Rangers, I think it was I I, I told the story of when I was five, I dressed up as the Blue Ranger for Halloween. A Blue Ranger wholesome. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> no, that you're good. So wholesome. But I don't remember ever talking about Power Rangers to any of the school kids. I think a lot of them because I lived in New York City, so a lot of them were talking about wrestling. And like how late they stayed oh. up at night. You know, wrestling, not too shabby, especially around that time, because my favorite wrestler was Sting and he would like chainsaw the oh. lights down and stuff. That was Hell awesome. Yeah. Yes. But mm -hmm. outside yeah. of that, like after that, I got out of it mostly because, you know, I had some parental parental issues that was going on at the time. And uh, I was I was associated with like it was my father son quality time of watching wrestling. So since then, I kind of like veered away from that. And then we started watching mm -hmm. stuff on like WB Kids and stuff, you know. So there was like mm -hmm. the Pokemon. There was uh, oh yeah, there was Yu-Gi-Oh. There was Dragon Ball Z. So like we had our choices, but I could imagine back in like 1993 when Power Rangers first came out, like that just being the best mm -hmm. kids show ever, right? Because like it's contemporaries, and I've went over this before, but it's contemporaries was like the X-Men animated show, and like. Maybe a couple of other like early '90s shows, but if you look at those shows, they don't really live up to any look, form I of know. quality standards. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I know that you're not here talking shit about the X Men animated show, which was my entire jam, and what I would have unironically told you I was into when oh, I was eleven. I would have been like, thousand yeah, percent, yeah, real talk, real talk. I was, I was about that life. <laughs> I was about the X-Men. Intro like, song, animated show the life. most amazing, oh. one of the most amazing theme songs is from the X-Men show. But you know it. You know yep. you get hyped when you hear that song. It's the best part What's of the, the show. The problem is, is like they have like 10 frames of animation per second. 
<laughs> well, you know, it was it was it was the '90s, and you know, the, you had to like go uphill both ways to like get that animation down. But ugh, see, God, Sabin, what a time to be alive. He, we Sabin. were talking about sincerity versus irony poisoning before. We were all irony poisoned. TV themes were just like completely sincere, a hundred percent, just like written to just grandize whatever tv show you know just make it sound incredible what what happened to that i missed that <laughs> so like you you have no idea like when when animaniacs came out that theme song just blew everyone's minds that i remember was, that like, all oh man like remember like just and it was just like this is a game changer we were like you would get hyped for the animaniacs team it was, yeah it was just so good that was, was huge so, and also i do recommend like heart in terms of like a shout outs for um children's theme tunes a fun thing to do if you've had a couple of drinks is to go and listen to the ducktales theme in every language which you can find them all on youtube so it's like you think of a language there's a ducktales version in that language and it is dope that's all i'm saying it's dope <laughs> I recently caught a clip of King of the Hill and Oh yes, hell yeah. Uh, where it's a different language. And what what is the name of the character that mumbles all the time? Boomhauer. Boomhauer, right. So Boomhauer was like doing mumbling, but it was in a foreign language. So it was a foreign it had like an accent on the mumbling. Hilarious. Oh my stuff, god. Man. Oh yes. <laughs> Like this is the thing that I always like kind of recommend people do um, in terms of like those of us who speak other languages and maybe you don't use them all the time. Like if you're going to go somewhere and you haven't like used it in a while, I'm always like, go watch a TV show that, you know, really well dubbed into. So like, I'll always watch like Simpsons in German or whatever the hell, like if I'm like getting hyped to go use German again um, and it works really well, but then you'll run into stuff like, so for example, in uh, German, Homer doesn't say dough. He says, Doi! Like that. <laughs> That's a good one. Hey, remember, remember Doi? Remember when people used to say Doi? Like a Doi. Oh, like no, no Doi. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. That was a good one. That wow, was before that. That's some old, some old stuff right there. I haven't thought about that in a long would, time. Oh be, my gosh! I would be completely unsurprised just to watch Power Strangers episode and see Doi thrown in there. I'd yeah, be definitely. all like, yeah. That was, what was, that was what was happening on the streets. I, I, I bet there <laughs> is an episode where Kimberly says that to somebody and we just don't know which oh one it God. is. But if a, if a viewer God. chimes in, like a, a dedicated listener of the show who also is just all about that Power Rangers deep lore chimes in, please let us know. Because I feel like there's an episode where Kimberly is probably like, no doy to those guys at some point about something. Come oh, on. Definitely oh, yeah. like against Absolutely. Vulcan Skull. A thousand percent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, Eleanor, what were your expectations going into this season two opener? I, I suppose that, like, everyone was just kind of, like, waiting for more. And I suppose going into the season two opener, you kind of thought that, like, everything was set. And I literally guess I just thought that there was going to be more. It was like I hadn't been taught to drink bigger yet. You know, I wasn't, like, old enough to realize that they're, like, going to crank the volume up. That there's going to be new aspects. I was just kind of like, oh, more of the same, you know? And so it, I just thought there was going to be additional Power Rangers. That's kind of how I felt about it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think myself going into the Power Rangers season two, it, it's very funny because coming off of season one and having recently rewatched it, I've got to mm -hmm. say, like, I was super hyped, dude. Like, because 
Kennedy and I agree that season one ended on a weird season finale because it didn't feel like a season finale. It just felt like a regular exactly. episode. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And because of that, I was like, okay, this opener is going to be like an eight or a nine. Like, that's where my expectations were. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I just think that it was, I was kind of left so, so flat by season one i was just like okay well like i mean where's the pit you know what am i what am i meant to expect you know what i mean right 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 kennedy what did you think well i think that you know yeah season one is like obviously it had a lot of flaws but it's also incredible and there's just so much that you're just kind of curious okay what do they do next and the season two opener it's like it kind of opens with all of these strong themes and like you can see that the budget has gone up and stuff. And so I was really hyped in a lot of ways because I thought it was definitely going to be very strong. It's a three part episode, you know, so like hopefully a lot of interesting storytelling and all that. And yeah, I it did not really meet any of my expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Birds. Birds. Yikes. All right. Let's let's get into it. So first we start off is the mutiny part one. So in this episode, we are introduced to the new, the almighty Lord Zed. Yes. And Lord Zed is supposed to be the replacement for Rita Repulsa. And it kind of starts off where where the Rangers are going for some ATV motocross race. And it's supposed to be like, I guess like a marathon race? This whole entire three-parter takes place during this time frame. So I'm going to say, like, it has to be some type of marathon because this at, this three-parter at least took, like, two hours, I would say. At the very oh. least, it took two hours to do everything that they did in the three-parter. And that's if, like, we were doing it in, like, real time and not giving them, like, Time to strategize and think up solutions to the problems that they originally occur. Basically, Rita Repulsa is all like, ooh, the Power Rangers, they're on ATVs. Maybe I'll make an ATV monster. Who knows? And then all of a sudden, (laughs) they get this, like, premonition, and they feel this, like, disturbance in the Force. And it turns out the almighty Lord Zed comes on the screen and Goldar's like, yes, yes, <laughs> my master, my true master has come. And Rita's like, Goldar. oh no, I've got to lick the boot now. Goldar gets um, ultimate simp energy. I mean, there's so there's so much. One of the things I was really struck by with this, because for some reason in my head, like, I don't know, like just thinking back before I rewatched this, I was like, oh, Lord said it's like going to come in later season two. And I was like, in the first place, Goldar's got hella symbiote energy. Like it's just bootlicking a clock. And in the second place, I was just like, you know what, how much I can use just like a meme of Rita Repulsa being forced back into the dumpster, like just for every journalist that I disagree with. <laughs> and it's going to be. You need to do like, this forever. It, it'll just be like, you know, that just over and over again. Like, it's, and, you know, I was just like, wow, um, if my posting brain had been lit when I first initially saw this, imagine, imagine, you know, like, I, well, I think you can that bring I, it back. I was almost overcome. Yeah. It's true. Now's the perfect I mean, time like, to bring it back. Nobody remembers this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like, a, it's like an ironic bit. It'll be great. You'll get like a thousand, a hundred thousand retweets on this. 
And you know what? Like, fundamentally, we we have to thank Rita Repulsa for um, one of the other uh, best memes of all time, which is the Cry Harder Baby, uh, <laughs> which is very useful. I can't be the only person who's suffering from, like, both Power Rangers brain and posting brain. Come on, come with me on this, please. <laughs> what, what did you guys think about Lord Zed and his design? Here's my thing about Lord Zed is that I always figure like I always feel like you're kind of expecting him to have some kind of any ability to do anything at all. But he's literally just some dude in a tube. Like every time it it counts or means something, it's just like, no, no, no. Constantly let down. This is my own. This is my own opinion, which is maybe kind of like like maybe it's a metaphor Every time I think that, like, I, that Lord Zed's going to do something, it's just like, because he's like, oh, shit, okay, so we're, like, we're here with Lord Zed. And so you think that, like, maybe there's going to be, like, some kind of upgrade in terms of, like, power, but it's just sort of like, no, it's the same thing, but, like, we've got different costumes, which is sort of like, there. there's something here about kind of, like, um the weird fetishization of the suit, though. Like, I want to talk about the suit a little bit. Oh, yeah. We talk about the suit. Definitely, so, yeah, no, that's, like... <laughs> That's like the main design attribute to Zed, right? So I will say, yeah. before we get into the suit, you remember those like book nerds in like movies and television and books where he's that incel kid that stays in the that stays in his room and like studies like twenty seven different magical texts and finally comes across the spells to give him the ultimate power and he becomes a villain that wants to reshape the world. Yeah. He exudes that energy a thousand percent. He's like, he used to be some nerd that like got bullied all the time and got a bunch of swirlies. And he's like, I found it. I found the spells. (laughs) It is time to cast them. Yes. It's definitely one of those, one of those feelings. Yeah. It's very like a big virgin energy, you know, like no Chad has gone searching for the spells. In order to like become an ultra villain, right? They're 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 gonna do it some other way. They're not. No one's searching for spells. No one's searching for books. No one's looking in the library, ho. That's not where it's coming from. But at the same time, so it's kind of like the. It's like if the virgin meme in the Chad virgin meme found a book of spells and then was also trying to like make themselves look tough. That's how I feel about it. It kind of reminds me of this character that came out recently these past couple of years in the show Dragon Ball Super, where there's this character called Zamasu, and mm-hmm. he gets <laughs> he gets like this ultimate power, right? He like steals Goku's body and and does some like transformation stuff where he does fusions and whatnot with the Patara earrings, etc. And whenever you listen to dialogue of fused Zamasu. It exudes that energy because he says like a whole paragraph about why he's so awesome, why you will never be able to defeat him, why he is the ultimate supreme being and why you need to die. <laughs> and it, it, it well, comes into the games as well. Fundamentally, what I got to say is like uh, you want to compare contrast your Lord Zed with your Rita. Rita never do that shit. Rita is just like, I'm about this life. This is what I this is what I do. I'm just kind of like being a dick about it for no real apparent reason. Like uh Lord Zed is like, here's a soliloquy, and it's like, shut up, homie. Just like go for it. Just like do it or don't. That's all I have to say. She parties and gets down and is like fun to hang out with. And Lord Zed just seems like insufferable to be around by comparison. It it I definitely mean- feels like if we ever get to see like Lord Zed before he like stripped all his skin off and all that stuff like he's just going to be like a dumpy white guy accountant 
you know, like. <laughs> oh my God, real talk. And you know what? Like, I'm just, A, that is real talk. B, I'm just like, can we also consider the fact that he had, he felt the need, the need to like throw Lord in there, right? Because like Rita is just like, I'm Rita. Like, what's up? Hey, hey, hoes, I'm Rita. Um, I'm sending, I'm sending a monster in. Lord Zed is like, no call me lord like we've got this very specific kind of like royalty thing happening because he's like so uncomfortable in his own skin he needs a title like you never catch never catch rita slipping like that i don't rita think he has knows, skin. she knows what's up <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was he was so uncomfortable in his own skin he just got rid of it yeah um <laughs> I mean, so, like, do, is this, I like, a vor fetish or something? I, I don't know, man. This design is just <laughs> wild to watch. Because he looks it's like really he's weird. in constant pain. The design yeah. is so out of keeping with absolutely everything else in terms of Power Rangers. Like, yeah. Am I, am I the only, am well, I the only I, one who feels this? If I'm going to give any credit, I like that aspect of it. Like, I feel like a lot of the other villain designs... Obviously, there's been a lot of creativity like throughout the first season with them, but like Lord Zed definitely comes in and it's like, what the heck is that? Yeah. You know? And I thought that was like, like kind of strong in a way, at least. I gotta admit, I mean, he must be the fetish for sapiosexuals, right? Because he's got his big brain on show. <laughs> No, it's it's the perfect metaphor for saviosexuals because it's like he's got his big brain on show, but he's also like overwhelmingly musculatured, and also he's a lord, and that's what they mean. Actually, they say that they're saviosexual. He's that, he's that, that meme. He's that meme of like you know the the dude the the um Wojak oh, the, where the brain like uh, morphs out of him. His brain is thrown. Yeah, his brain grew into a, uh, into armor. And that's that's what happened. And then he has to contain all of it, right? With this like exoskeleton oh of sorts. <laughs> oh my it's god. Just, I mean, I think that this this is probably like responsible for a number of nascent fetishes, though. That's all I'm saying. Is like in, in terms of just the the design of the suit, the weird crown, the weird kind of silvery jaw, like whatever the hell is going on there. Also, I would later go on to refer to like villains in like well monsters and stuff in like uh, Resident Evil and stuff as that Lord Zed looking motherfucker, you know, and things when when they would be jumping out at me. Even furthering this theory of like his lack of confidence, he's got the eye visor just permanently glued to his face. He's like a sunglasses mm. truck guy that has just, just just hot glued the sunglasses on. The sunglasses no longer come off. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So but I will say this. I thought the introduction of Lord Zed, I think we we one thing we touched on a little bit when we were talking about season one off and on was that the villains didn't always do anything interesting during their like times on camera and now mm -hmm. lord zed eventually like just becomes another like just a monster factory of the week you know and he's not that interesting but during this particular saga and particularly in the first episode we get to kind of see this drama unfold on the side of the villains that I, I think is actually kind of compelling. It's more interesting than anything we've seen on the side of the villains so far, really. So I, I do yeah. appreciate that, even yeah. if it's like eh, still kind of iffy in some ways. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I suppose that's true. Is that like I'm so used to kind of like seeing them as just like the deus ex machina that gets like the monster onto the field of play that a lot of the time you don't 
even necessarily think about them, which is, is sort of how I think about Lord's Ed, I think, later on. It's really difficult, one of these things about kind of like going back and watching things, because if you just think about it from your memories, you go, oh, yeah, well, that's like the machine that spits out the actual monsters or whatever. They're kind of like much of a muchness but in the these things there is an actual kind of story there is you know the inter-boss fighting there is you know these various levels of drama whereas i just kind of hadn't even really necessarily been prepared for that even though i knew what was coming because i'd seen it all before it was just sort of like oh right yeah you know I, it's, it's it's strange i mean rita basically just shows up in every episode of the first season and is like I've got a monster. Ha ha ha. Magic then, wand. Make yeah. my monster grow. Right. And then, ugh, I've got a headache. You know, and like, that's it. Like, she's like, she's got like three or four total notes that like she displays. And like, it doesn't really vary. Even in dramatic episodes like Doomsday, where she brings her palace to Earth and is like making a huge power play. You don't really see any like drama on like the inside of like her workings it's still just the same thing of like i've got monsters but now i'm here in angel grove directly okay well we're on the subject while we're on the subject of season one going into season two right now i want to clear up a couple of things just do some a little bit of housekeeping before we we move on so power rangers uses footage from the super sentai series zoo ranger or zoo ranger and Sabin apparently ran out of footage and they were going to end the show at Doomsday. That's where they what? were originally going to end the show. And Sabin called up Toei and was like, hey, can you guys film some new Zoo Ranger footage? Even though you guys are already moved on to like other different Super Sentai series. <laughs> and Toei and uh, the Rainbow Company said yes. And so there's exclusive Zoo Ranger footage. That is only used in the Power Rangers. And Sabin explicitly stated to Toei and Rainbow, when you guys record the footage, make the characters more like the personas from Power Rangers. So you were seeing stuff like the Pink Ranger being closer to the Green Ranger, right? And then the Yellow Ranger, because the Yellow Ranger was originally a guy in the in Super Sentai, they I guess they had him like cross his legs when he was in the suit when they like teleport and stuff because the other, the guys have the like, I'm a big strong man pose. Right. And they have their like fists against the side of their hips and their legs spread out. And then the pink ranger had her legs crossed. So this zoo ranger two footage, the yellow ranger had her legs crossed as well. The blue ranger originally was the comedic relief and the black ranger was the smart one. And in zoo ranger, it was magic, not tech, that got them to do certain things and certain feats, right? Like, Zordon right. is a magical mm-hmm. being, but for the most part, a lot of it is, like, Billy making up tech and stuff like that to... Well, to, even Zordon is, is he's, a, he's like a trans-dimensional, like, multi-dimensional creature or something. You know, like, it's, it, it's, it's sort of, it's a magical being, but it's given sci-fi trappings even for him, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like... A weird mix between sci-fi and tech, right? At this point in the show, they already ran out of the Zoo Ranger 2 footage. We're already having to use, like, repeat footage of, like, previous episodes of Zoo Ranger. We're having to use footage from a different Super Sentai show entirely 
So it's it's a it's a weird sort of mix between the two of how they're splicing it. And it's very, very interesting to put it there. But going back to Lord Zed and what they do here with Lord Zed, Lord Zed's introduction is very interesting because not only is he supposed to be like the supremely powerful being and there's kind of like a hierarchy, right? It's kind of like Frieza. Like if Rita Repulsa is like Vegeta, right? But doesn't turn mm. good necessarily. It doesn't become this anti-hero or Captain no, Ginyu or something like she's that. Captain Ginyu. That's what I was about to say. She's totally Captain Ginyu. Yeah, like Captain <laughs> Ginyu. And then Lord Zed is Frieza. And that's when you're seeing like this is the hierarchy, the underworld, so to speak, right? And immediately Goldar just simps like fucking mad to, to Lord Zed. <laughs> and Lord Zed's like, you know what? You look like a worm. Sure, I'll give you back what you've lost and gives back Goldar his wings. And it's a dope yeah. costume change. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. And then, of course, Rita comes in. And he's like, hey, Zed. Nice to see you around. This is so amazing. You're here. And Zed's like, no, you were supposed to destroy this world a long time ago. What are you doing? And she's like, I would, but it's those filthy Power Rangers. So Zed's just like, <laughs> get out of my way. There's a total like dudes rock misogyny moment that happens where Goldar <laughs> and Lord Zed are just straight up shitting on Rita for like five minutes yeah. straight. And Rita is just like, you know, Goldar, you were working for me before this. And Goldar is like, yeah, but I'm working for Zed now. <laughs> it was ridiculous because it wasn't like a it wasn't like a 10 second scene either. It was no. like a it was like Long. a whole like one minute scene of just Zed and Goldar just taking turns of just absolutely shitting on Rita. Yeah. So Zed then takes it upon himself and he says, you know what? I'm going to have to do it my way. Then He transformed a fish that was in a pond that was by the ATV series into this like weird fish monster. Very inconspicuous monster. You didn't think too much of it until we get later into the episode where they are definitely needed. So the Power Rangers uh, realize that a monster has been spawned. They go into the command center. This command center scene is very interesting because they're being like told what's going on with the monsters. And they're basically like, hey, Zed's back. Zordon's afraid, it seems like. Like Zordon's like, holy shit. Like we were good with Rita and kicking Rita's ass. But now Zed's here. It treats us to this scene of where all the Rangers are just like, Holy shit, like they're dealing with like the ramifications of being fed this knowledge. So far in this part of the show, Rita's been easy sauce, right? Because even in oyster stew, it wasn't really a problem in getting rid of the monster. More of the stuff, more right. of the issues became more of the personal issues versus the like more of the like teenage sitcom drama versus the actual action sequences, which were just there to be there at that point. And I mean, Doomsday, of course, like sets this up with like basically after the end of Doomsday, Zordon is like Rita's basically like as good as defeated. You definitely just have the implication after that that every time she sends a monster, it's less like oh no, and more just like, yep, this is the this is what we do. We we beat up Rita's monsters. Whatever, it's fine. It's not a big deal because like we've we've clowned her so many times. Like she doesn't have a better card to play than this at this point you know, is like the impression. So I think it is great. And the command scene definitely drives us home. I think it is great to establish that, hey, there's bigger threats out there and things like, I think that's like one of the more exciting things about 
like this intro to season two, mm. even though like there's a lot of issues, is like, wow, there's like Rita is not like the end all be all of like the things to be scared of in this universe or even necessarily close. It, it just seems like the power levels are through the roof and it's shown, right? Because Rita is then put back into her dumpster forcibly and she she kind of sort of resists, but she knows she's fucked. She knows that like that's yeah. that's it. Like yeah. she's not she's just going to get put in there and she's going to have to find some way to escape eventually. And they kind of transform her into this small I guess the whole thing was to miniaturize her, but what ends up happening is that she's transformed into a small doll, like a sentient doll and put in the dumpster. And you know, for a compact I've dumpster I've had dates like that. <laughs> for for a compact dumpster, it sure deals with space trash. Very easily, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Lord Zed basically stunts on Goldar and Rita by saying, hey, I've got these new and improved putties, right? They're stronger. The Rangers won't be able to handle them. We got this. And so mm-hmm. the Rangers come from the command center and they start morphing up uh, and they start getting into the fights and everything. It's an all right scene. I, I've noticed, I've definitely noticed that the action has improved. Quite a bit, that's for sure. The Power Rangers versus the Putties was filmed a lot better than normally. And I guess it's because this whole like Zoo Ranger 2 footage kind of like matching up to how the personas are. But it, it does feel it does feel a lot better. There's scenes, and Kennedy, you can you could chime in here, but they morph, and this is new because this didn't happen in season one. They're morphed in the suits and they go back to the command center. And they take off their helmets and talk while they're in the suits. And that's just so much better. Because, like, it was either you get them in, like, really baggy clothes. Like, you know when you're a kid (laughs) and you think, like, you wear stuff that's, like, three times your size? Because you think that looks cool or that's what adults do? But in this case, or it was them talking with the helmets on, which it's really hard to relate to on screen visually, right? And to what people's emotions Mm. are. But in this episode, this part one, they have... The helmet's off and they're talking to Zordon and it it completely defeats one of my conspiracy theories where like they have like a metamorphosis transformation, like a caterpillar into a butterfly where they're like in a like skin suit of sorts, like a a blob of armor that covers them. It's in the design of the Power Rangers. So it's nice to see that it's essentially just like it's a power up suit and they can easily get in and out of it. And I like the scenes a lot better. It's definitely better directed. You could tell the writing got better too. That's yeah. I was gonna say, um, I you can really feel a lot of budget increases in different areas. The cinematography is a mm. lot stronger, and like the writing is stronger. The combination of the two footages is stronger. Like a lot of aspects are stronger. In particular, in that command center, there's one shot that I thought was like pretty incredible that like there's no there's no cinematography like this in the first season period where they're picking their helmets up off of like the command console and like the the shot is like a close-up of the helmets as they each pick up their helmet and like you don't really see them you just see the helmets being picked up and it's like this really like it's like I was watching I was like wow that's actually like a very incredible shot like whoever did that like really like they had a director of photography that really knew what they were doing here which is you never had that in season one. All of the shooting is just like the most basic. It's like seventh heaven or something, you know, just like after school special camera work. So, I, yeah, I, you can definitely feel the budget increase in a number of areas. Right, right. Exactly. 
And the episode sort of ends where the Power Rangers face off against the fish monster and the fish monster is able to freeze their zords. Like the Triceratops, Mastodon, mm-hmm. all those get frozen. So it goes, dun, 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 to be continued. And we've got part two. And part two, they don't know what to do. The Rangers are like, how do we beat this monster? We don't have our zords because they do that common escalation tactic where if they can't beat anyone, even if they're not gigantic, they'll just whip out the zords. Like we we saw that in season one against Green Ranger when the Green Ranger was evil, but they straight up just like, we're like, oh, okay, no, 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 no. We're going to get into like a big ass zord. We're going to get into the mega zord. And even though you're like a six foot tall ant to us, we're still going to go toe to toe. And that's that's perfectly fine. That, that's, that escalation mm. tactic is A-OK. Really reminds you of police brutality here in the States. Anyways, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a funny thing, actually, because the Power Rangers have been told explicitly not to escalate by Zordon. But and what happens when you times, can't beat them? There's a, but there's a couple of times where they specifically don't do things because they don't want to escalate. And they're like, we shouldn't morph <laughs> because that's escalation, or we shouldn't do this because that's escalation. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that they've got a little thing called honor, people. Come on now. <laughs> well, that honor was out the window when they couldn't beat Tommy, though. They were just like, look, we have a big robot. Okay, we get... <laughs> it's, a, it's, like, it's like when you're in the situation where, like, you know, you read these stories about somebody where it's like they were, like, fighting over, like, who eats the last hot dog and somebody pulls a gun at, like, a family barbecue or something. Like... <laughs> Just like way, way disproportionate use of, of force in certain instances. Oh, a thousand percent. And they are supposed to only use their weapons for defense and stuff. And it's it's just like, you know, honorable way to fight. Pretty cool. But sometimes you just got to whip out the big boys and show them who's boss. Right. It's the American way. They know, They know nothing else. But, so the episode starts in part two where the rangers are having a rough time. The red dinosaur is being manipulated into doing evil acts. And Angel Grove is about to get decimated again in this command economy that we've established. They try to bust out the dragon sword, right? But they can only bust out the dragon sword when Tommy is powered up. Because as you remember from last season, Tommy went through this whole green candle arc. His powers is like a battery. Can I just say, and Eleanor, I'd love to hear from you on this as well. I think this is one of the things that makes Power Rangers kind of special compared to a lot of other shows of the time. A lot of other shows of the time, something like Tommy's intermittent powers would have been solved like three or four episodes after it was introduced. But Power Rangers was like, no, we're 30 episodes later and Tommy still has inconsistent powers. Like, that's some consistent yeah. lore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's definitely the case that it that was something new that you would see at the time where, you know, even just having kind of like an, like an arc that long was really new and weird and interesting because, you know, so even if we're talking about stuff like, so for example, like um, X-Men, even when you were watching that regularly, it would have like three or four episodes and then just kind of like cycle back because they didn't have that many episodes. And so you'd sort of like see three or four things and then you'd sort of see some like filler again. It didn't like really go anywhere. So what was really exciting about this at the time was that it was like, oh yeah, that's still true. These things are still like whole 
holding true. There's an actual plot line that's advancing. And you never saw plot lines in 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 kids shows with this stuff. It was just kind of like standalone episodes. It was not like any, it was nowhere near the sort of thing that you would expect to see. You would just kind of expect to see one-offs. Um, and this kind of like took it up to the level of like, oh, it's kind of like watching X-Men or something. Yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. Um, X-Files is what I was thinking, because that was the other thing you'd be watching at the right. time, and, but not understanding. You'd kind of be like watching X-Files and not understanding it entirely, but you'd sort of be watching that for the one-off episodes. Um, X-Files like, as a kid, a great comparison, I think, because there was this uh, nature of X-Files similar to Power Rangers where... It was episodic, but if you watch a whole season, the situation has advanced. It's not just exactly. returning to the same yeah. point again. Yeah, so it, it was it was kind of like that. So, I mean, I remember having this like very um, like like the idea of like, oh, this is kind of like the X-Files. Um, and so and you're like, oh, well, maybe this is ooh slightly different this is something more this is not you know this isn't like you know whatever the disney afternoon stuff that it's on alongside of it's like this is something more and exciting definitely agree i will say this is the time when tommy seems the most insecure they tommy did a the actor for tommy uh jason david frank i think his name is he did an awesome job portraying tommy in this episode because he feels you can get the feeling from his portrayal here that he's insecure. He's Definitely. very insecure in his ability to be a ranger because he has to constantly go to Zordon to, to recharge his powers. So it's almost like he's, he's just a temporary ranger and he feels it because he wants to be something more. And Zordon and Alpha 5 don't really have a solution for him yet. So it's, it's one of those things where you can kind of tell like, they're giving it everything that they've got, but if Tommy can't help out, it's over, right? And you get that sense in this episode, specifically in part two, because Tommy, after being recharged by Zordon, goes out into battle and summons the Dragon Zord, only for the Dragon Zord to then get turned upon the Rangers once more. Uh, so it faces off against the Red Dino Zord, and, you know, Tommy's all like, beep, 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 beep. And... <laughs> <laughs> At that point, Zed gives like a power-up boost and he's all like, you know what? No, Green Ranger, you're not going to win today. And gets the Dragon Zord to turn on the Rangers as well. So now you've got the Red Dinozord and the Dragon Zord just decimating Angel Grove. And in any other instance, this would cause for like, I don't know, the world military to jump in. Or like this might be like a Godzilla destroy all monsters esque time period where like everything is just gonna be flattened. Like everything is just gonna be flattened. There's not gonna be any Angel Grove anymore. They've got two dinosaurs, and they do this weird thing where Kennedy mentioned it last season, where they get teleported or they tell they retreat back to the command center, and I'm like, with what time? With what time do you have to like really strategize here while two Zords just <laughs> fuck up the whole city? <laughs> it's kind of like, well, we'll come back to that later. This definitely pertains to our theory. Eleanor, tell us what you think about our theory here. We had a theory that uh, Power Rangers has to take place in a hypothetical, well, past future, but future at the time where the, the world has unified. There's no more war. Doesn't that seem like it has to be the case? Because, like, yeah, be because it, it, you, 
otherwise, um, if you have a couple of like a giant um, robots that are attacking in a Southern Californian town, which is, I think, what we were reading, Angel Grove is Southern California, um, the army would come. Right. But that literally I mean, never happened. <laughs> especially if like you know it's going on for some time and the power rangers who are like the ones who are understood to take care of the stuff so like you know you could maybe say okay well the army doesn't come because everyone understands that the power rangers are doing it in their stead right when the power rangers just like peace out to like have a blue sky thinking like test like <laughs> over you know to, to try to like think this one out um, and the the Zords are still out there wreaking havoc. You would see the military be like, "Oh, I guess we're gonna have to go to work, guys." So, like, I think that this absolutely pays that theory. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there it is, confirmed. <laughs> like Zordon is basically saying, "Don't worry, guys. I got these brand new Zords for you. They're the Lightning Zords, but you can't use them yet until your regular Zords are gone." So until the enemy stops controlling those old Zords, there's no way that they could use these new Zords. And they just go outside and they like stand on, I guess, the, the mountaintop or whatever. And they look out into the sky and they can see the Zords amongst the clouds. And they're like, oh, if only we can use them right now. And I, I will say I'm going to interject the storytelling here and just say that Power Rangers, I rarely feel like when it's a multi-parter that's three parts or longer are the middle episode or middle episodes good it's I, rare usually the middle episodes just feel like just it's just dragging out it's like the 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 end of the first episode of any like three or five parter for power rangers is like here's the end of a piece of taffy and then they just pull it and keep you pulling it and pulling it and it's like well it's not nothing's changing you're just making this longer, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I just it was just the thought that came across my mind where I'm just like, I don't think I've watched an ep a part two out of like four or three or five. That was good in my eyes, I think, um, you know, when it's like part one of two and then part two of two, that's been consistently great. But when we have these multi parters, it just doesn't seem like it's it works out. It, it seems like they, they bide their time and they, uh, they introduce a lot of unnecessary stuff. And speaking of unnecessary stuff, Bulk and Skull enter the picture. And <laughs> How dare you? How dare you ever refer to Bulk and Skull as unnecessary and it, instead of the working class heroes that they are? I will Skull might be working class. We actually think that around Sentai Truther Club that uh, Bulk is a rich fail son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my hypothesis, because we all, we kind of established in the previous episode of Sentai Truther Club that this is a quote-unquote gifted and talented school, private school that you have to like pay a bunch of money in. And They're definitely at a magnet school, yeah. We <laughs> a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say my theory on Skull is much different though than Bulk. So my theory on Skull is that because he's <laughs> Russian, right, he escaped, quote-unquote, he escaped from the Soviet Union and is used as capitalist propaganda on the horrors of the Soviet Union. <laughs> his his and, parents used to own a lithium mine. You know, it's that kind of backstory. <laughs> and his family just grifts <laughs> off of, like, speaking fees and stuff. 
But because they still have economic issues, you know, because it's not a consistent income, Skull is kind of mm -hmm. like glomping onto Bulk here for financial assistance and meals and stuff like that. Bulk and Skull are on their ATVs. They're a part of this charity race event as well. And they seem to get lost after the kerfuffle with the putties, the, the Lord Zed putties. They then are then greeted to more putties down this, this marathon road, which the Rangers come on board and they go and face. And for the most part, it's a simple action sequence. The action sequence is fine. They're pretty good. Come to find out that one of the weaknesses to the silver putties is hitting them directly in the middle where the Z is. And you would think to yourself as an adult, man, that's a pretty big design flaw when you have a giant Z on the middle of your chest, and that's where you need to punch to get rid of the putties. <laughs> you would think you put it somewhere else? I will say, it does seem like you have to hit it hard because, like, they just, like, tap it sometimes while they're fighting. That's not enough. You have to hit that Z with, like, a, like a, like a full-on punch. So there is, like, at least there's, like, a little bit of, like, okay, it's not just, like, I literally just have to land a blow on the easiest part of the body to hit, arguably, which is, like, <laughs> the center, you know? <laughs> the core of the torso. Yeah, it's just, I don't know why. I don't know why. Like, he had to, like, because this is new. This isn't, this isn't something that's original to Super Sentai. This is something that's original to Power Rangers that they did with the Zoo Ranger stuff. So, the Zoo Ranger 2 stuff. So, it's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> why would you invent this? Narratively, it, this sucks. It does feel like the new putties are not as cool. As the old putties, in a way, like just straight up, it just feels like a slight, a slight step down. <laughs> we do see Bulk and Skull kind of getting more enamored with the Power Rangers because season one they were just like, ah, the Power Rangers are nothing. They're not the real heroes or something like that. And I'm like, dude, you have like kaiju battles every weekend. The Power Rangers are the only ones that are kicking their ass, as far as I know. Well, and this does introduce. Yeah. Episode two introduces a really important plot point that I'd love to hear from everybody talk about, because I think this is actually like this is a really good plot point in what is overall like a kind of confusing and not great like season intro is Bulk and Skull pick up the determination to find out who the Power Rangers are. Obviously, this is a well-worn trope, but it's a good trope, you know, to have somebody and Bulk and Skull. This starts to transition them from before their foils for the teenagers like real life. And now they're starting to become foils for the Power Rangers themselves, which is kind of an interesting mm. transition for those characters, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, it's important for Bulk's character because all they did for Bulk's character was like, hey, here's our fat phobia character. Mm, yeah. So, you know, they're going to be the comedic relief and that's all they are. And basically most of the gags with Bulk was like, he slips and he falls or he's being super clumsy or... He's talking shit and then he he fucked around and he found out, you know? So that type of stuff, like Bulk's care Bulk and Skull's character development definitely goes through a treat this season. Probably one of the I would say the most improved thing uh out of the season, but that's for a later Sentai Truther Club episode. Um, but for now, you start to see the the embers being stoked of like, we need to find out who the Power Rangers are. You know, and the episode kind of sort of just ends with uh, them saving Bulk and Skull, the dinosaur still fucking up the city and Zordon and Alpha 5 are just like, we got to do something. 
but yeah, in my opinion, part two definitely went one of those routes where it's just like, man, you guys could have did so much more and you didn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. But part three, at least like, is a relatively satisfying conclusion. So Billy and Trini have been kind of working on this device to block the control of the Zords so that they can power up the new Zords. Because there's this whole thing with the power of the Zords. We'll have to get into this another time because like, we're already running this recording plenty long. But there's definitely this whole thing with the power sources of the Zords, which is very interesting. Um, and uh, uh, Billy and Trini are, like, they've been building this device um, and like trying to like come up with the solution to like get the Thunder Zords activated, you know. Um, and uh, I, I will say the seeds with Billy and Trini, by the way, Grav, I haven't really bought into your theory that Trini's into Billy before that strongly, but you're right. I, I don't know what else to say. I'm sorry I ever doubted you. <laughs> Dude, she's always with Billy. Like they'll be in the garage together in the shop, just working together and stuff. And I'm not saying you can't have like a casual friendship, but Trini is like pretty physical with Billy. Also, it's the lines in these scenes. It's like she's spending all of her time with him, and then she's like, you know, Billy, two people can really do more than one sometimes. They're, you know, she's, she's like says stuff like that nonstop where you're just like, okay, this, this, at what point do you <laughs> say that this is not just normal talk? I guess Sabin didn't want this, this sort of plot line, but they sure did write Trini that way. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know why they would just not use it, I guess. But I mean, season two has its has its bumpy rides, right? To say the least. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Billy and Trini come up with this device to take away the power from the Zords. And it do you think Zordon recycles the Zords? Oh, I mean, I, I would hope so. If that would be like a very much in keeping with a kind of like early 90s kind of vibe of it you know it just kind of like it makes me think of like captain planet kind of vibe kind of like pick them swords up we going back in but who does it if that's the case but i think like, we established I, that like the zords are living beings you know mm, they have mm. souls attached to their their technology and stuff so how horrific would it be if you're like all of your body machinations were just grafted on to like this weird like triage of zords coming together. I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it's almost nightmare fuelish if you think about it that way. <laughs> it seems like the implication is just that now that the power is going to the thunder zords, by the yeah. way, are individually pretty cool, but the mega zord, mm, we'll get in that in a second. The thunders, now that the power's gone to the thunder zord, the implication seems to be that the old zords are just like hibernating permanently, basically, because there's not enough power to run both. And that, like, you know, maybe they're still around somewhere. Like, they're just living under the ground, chilling. I don't know. <laughs> Do you think that Zordon's powers is what gives them life, though? It seems oh. like... <laughs> this is an interesting question. I'd love to hear from everybody <laughs> on this. Because it's, there's at times, the show seems to imply that, like, the Zords and things like that are sort of, like, uh, magical artifacts that Zordon is like the curator and guardian of, but not the creator of. But then other times, it almost seems like Zordon maybe had a hand in making these things. And I don't know where I fall on that yet. What do y'all think? 
I think I've already watched half of this season, so I've already formed an opinion on what I think that I can't reveal till a later episode, but I'd love to hear what Eleanor thinks. I mean, I think that, like, I think this is that this is kind of like part of the fun of it, though, is like the mystery. Like, I mean, I'm not sure. How do you come down on the side of something like this? I feel like, you know, I could be completely proven wrong later down the frame if I, like, make a definitive call here because it can really go either way like and that that is actually kind of the interest of this is that it's like nothing is there there are all these like things that are up in the air do you know what i mean oh yeah yeah i mean like the 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 whole the whole con they've been inconsistent with it let's just say that it but it does seem like the zords have a personality now is it like an ai personality but hey you know we're we're going for it so in the meantime, Zed kind of puts out the stops for the monsters. He makes the fish monsters like gigantic. They get into the kaiju fight. The Zords themselves get decimated. They get thrown in the ground. And Zed, of course, also deals with Bulk and Skull by warping their ATVs to just spin in circles forever until the spell's worn off. <laughs> <laughs> And with the Zords defeated, Alpha 5 and Kennedy, or sorry, Kennedy, Alpha 5. <laughs> I wish I was in the show. Alpha 5 and Zordon are like, now is the time. And they summon these new lightning Zords. The Rangers are a little bit skeptical of them, but that soundtrack, dude, that soundtrack, <laughs> they've got a power in which you've never seen before. Dude. It's a it's rocking. This like if there was anything to say about season two, the fucking oh my god, man, oh my god, dude, the the Zord, the Zord soundtrack, all that stuff, incredible. And if, I'm not sure if you guys noticed this, but the Red Dragon Zord, the best one, mind you, the Red Dragon mm. Zord has the Red Ranger on top of it while it's like riding in the sky. It is dope as fuck, dude. It's all about the green one. You're wrong. Like, and that's like an established fact. That's an established fact. And then, and then, even then, if I've got to go down, I'm going yellow. Fight me. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. I feel it. I feel it. Yellow's not bad. I'm a big fan of the the unicorn blue dinosaur as well. Mm -hmm. I feel that. I feel <laughs> that. I think, I think that we can kind of agree, though, that, like, to a certain extent, one of the most upsetting ones uh, on a number of levels. I kind of always like, I want to like pink, but I never do. It's just like, there's always this kind of like a flying vibe that doesn't really like pan out in the way that I want it to. Gotcha. There's like this kind of like, this kind of like, um, and I, and, and you know, I'm a hardcore kind of like, I pick the girly things and like the girly things, you know, like Mortal Kombat, your girl plays Katana, you know, like I'm very much like one of those, if there's a, if there's a woman, I will pick it kind of girls. And, yeah. you know, I, so I want to go in on the pink sword and I just can't, I just can't. Well, it's pterodactyl. Like and like, I, I, I mentioned this to my, I mentioned this to my wife um, earlier in the week, but I was just like, every single Power Rangers has their helmet design is resembling of their Zord and the pink Rangers pterodactyl just does not look good the pterodactyl no, helmet it, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense like all the other ones like work but this one you're kind of like trying to like get <laughs> all of these kind of like points onto something round and it doesn't work in the way that all the other ones do that's what i have to say about it 
I, I think what's unfortunate too here, as I've already kind of hinted at, is that the Thunder Zords themselves are kind of cool. Like, it's not like a bad change, in my opinion, overall. Like, I, I do feel like uh, some of the old Zords were also pretty cool, but like, this is fine. And like, the Red Dragon Thunder Zord, really cool. The Mastodon Lion Thunder Zord, really cool. Oh, um, Mastodon Lion is very cool, yeah. Yeah. So, like, there's definitely some cool stuff going on with that, but. The Megazord, the Thunder Megazord. I'm just going to be real, kind of sucks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the old Megazord was so cool. Like it's the, the original Megazord is just like this incredibly compelling design, really like just exciting looking. And the Thunder Megazord, by comparison, just looks dorky. Yeah, totally. Like it's just kind of like it, to a certain extent, it's like more. I don't even want to say more blocky. That's not what I want to say, but it just like looks almost clumsier, if that makes sense. The geometry is definitely not nearly as exciting. Like every angle and curve, like a lot more straight lines, a lot more simple curves, just like generally just kind of meh. It's supposed to be like a Bushido, right? Yeah. Kinda. He has like the, the katana and, yeah. and all this stuff. And dude, the, that the Megazord cool. fight was so bad. <laughs> So apparently, yeah, it's bad. I, I suppose that this is like one of the the frustrations too, because like I think that overall, if you want to talk about fighting, um, in this episode, the level of fighting goes up because you have like way more interesting like hand to hand combat actually than we're used to seeing, and then it's like, oh, the thing that you're like really stoked for, you're stoked to see the Zords, right? And you're like, oh, it's about to go down, and it sucks. Yeah, like how's that? Basically, the way this fight goes, the Zord just kind of, it assembles and it stands still. And then the enemy attacks for like a minute or two. And it goes, Omae wa shinderu. And <laughs> does the katana slash. Does the katana slash. You know, I've, I, I've actually also been watching Fist of the North Star this week. I'm so glad you did that just now. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely that one hit. KO style maneuver. So it's just like you ever played like a, a fighting game, a bad fighting game where one of the, the special moves takes forever to pull off and you have to tank like five hits. But when it lands, it lands like really hard. Yeah. And I specifically say bad fighting game because that's normally the case with games like that. I'm looking at you, Jump Force. Like he does the whole katana slash, the katana one hit KO, and then the fight's over. And he puts the katana back and it's like, Rangers, good job defeating the monster. And I don't know, man. It was so, I was so thoroughly disappointed. I think that that was the most disappointing thing about this uh, three-parter here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I can see that. It definitely felt like at the end, it's like, okay, uh, here's just like, like a nuclear weapon or something, you know, just like a, just like a, a super weapon to finish the job really quick after all the struggle, like it's just going to be over. All you have to do is press the big red button and like this is done. Um, and like that's just kind of eh. it's not Power Rangers. No. And the 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 fight ends there. They get transported back to the command center. You know, they're all like, yeah, we did it. Oh, we we got we got through by the skin of our teeth. And then they warp back to this race. Now, mind you, these episodes are 20 minutes long, so like, the perception of time is so fucking skewed here. 
I, I like I really don't know what to say, but they've been in this race the whole time. Bulk and Skull have been driving around in circles for hours now. If this was real life, they would have had a massive heart attack at this point. <laughs> because they've been spinning around in circles for forever. And then the next thing you know, the, the spell wears off and they're just like, oh, fuck, we're free finally. And I'm like, you've been driving in reverse for at least an hour <laughs> in circles. <laughs> like that has to be super jarring. Billy and Trini got their device back and they, they used the field dampener or something like that to get rid of the spell that was on Bulk and Skull. And then the episode kind of ends there and it's like, wow. Power Rangers. Yeah, we did an ATV race for charity. And you see all of them like driving through the finish line with their ATVs on. Very happy-go-lucky. You love to see it, folks. And it's it's a fun time. But here we come in for the, the we go in for the gut. Kennedy, what would you rate the mutiny out of 10? Oof. <sighs> this is tough. Um, I thought about this a lot. I'm just barely going to give it like a five and a half or a six. I was going to rate it a little lower, but I feel like there were a few major areas of like sort of improvement and like good storytelling that kind of made this a worthwhile watch. Right. And especially I've watched more of season two now and I'm kind of like, why are so many of these episodes on the watch guide? <laughs> this is like, like none of this is important. Um, uh, is how I feel when I'm like watching some of it. At least I could say while I was watching the mutiny, I felt like I was getting a lot of important stuff, be it like Lord Zed's reveal, which again, even if Lord Zed himself is this sort of weak character that ultimately comes off like very pathetic in the long run on a lot of levels, um, his introduction, as I said, like it's this insight into the world of the villains and like the the idea that the world of the villains is a lot bigger than just Rita Repulsa and whoever she can order mm. around um, is really cool. Um, the cinematography, like I said, um, and like a lot of like the, just the budgety stuff uh, is great. The mashing together of the two footages is extremely consistent compared to season one. So there's a lot of this like polished stuff and like some good storytelling. Oh, and Bulk and Skull investigating the Rangers, which I mentioned um, because that becomes a very important season two plot point. It's one of the best things that, that goes on during season two, in my opinion. Um, like there are a lot of these individual elements that kind of add up to like a certain amount of goodness, but it's still a bad product on a lot of levels. So, I mean, I am, I am going to go slightly higher. I'm giving it a seven because I, well, in the first place, yes, it's a bad product on a number of levels, but you have to like, I feel like you you therefore need to evaluate it on those levels. Like, I mean, bra is still a hot dog, you know, like what you want this hot dog to do, you know, <laughs> like, um, so it's like a pretty all right hot dog, you know, um, I think that on the whole, um, I mean, I'm giving it points just for putting Rita in the dumpster. I, I'm sorry. I love it. You can't, you, you can't make me like that is that is champagne humor to me as an adult. Um, I think the hand to hand combat improves and is more interesting. Um, and as like a recovering martial arts person, like that's something that I'm interested in. We love the reveals of the Zords, even if they kind of suck in a certain way. There's like that drama and majesty to it. And also um, the confusing fetishness of uh, Lord Zed gives it a couple extra points. Um, I'm taking points <laughs> off for 
simultaneously the confusing fetishness of Lord Zed. Also, you lose points. You know, you, <laughs> you live by it, you die by it. Is it, um, is it two I, steps forward, one step back, or one step forward, yeah, two steps it, back? It, we're we're going we're going two and one. Um, we're taking some we're taking some points off for like the idea of like the charity ATV thing, where I'm like, homeboy, sell your ATVs. Like, I know how you. It was provided by the school, they, though. I mean, like, why why does the school have ATVs? Wow. Like, I've got several questions about like this world, and it's kind of like how again. To reference the movie, sorry to keep bringing the movie up. They're doing like this skydive for charity. I'm like, how much that skydive costs, brah? Give that money to charity too. I, I'm very, I'm very down on these like exhibitionist things for charity. So <laughs> you lose several points. So I'm taking off one point for Zed's fetishization, one point for the ATVs, and one point because, uh, frankly, the Zords could bang more. But on the whole, other than that, it's. It, it's if you were going to like try to explain Power Rangers to people, I think that this would be like a good emblematic episode. Like this is an episode that you could kind of show them as an attempt to sort of explain it overall and give hints that there's like this isn't just episodic. There's some larger things going on. Here's kind of like the world of the villains. Here's kind of the world of the Power Rangers themselves. I, and I think that this would kind of like be a fairly good manual guide. So we're going seven. It's still a hot dog. All right. But what are you going to do? That's fair. No, I, I think you brought up some really valid points, especially about like long overarching plots and things like that. I think that, yeah, there's a lot of that. And like we said, the Tommy thing, especially like that's such a great there's a lot of just great elements like that. So, I mean, I I think that I also like um, in these um, and which always makes me laugh now when you rewatch them is how kind of like, you know, Tommy's brought in later and Tommy always has these like big overarching stories. And Tommy is a lot of the times like relied upon um, as like the better actor than any of them. And it just really tickles me. He's the one he's the one with range, you know? Yeah, he's definitely the best of the actors. But I got to say this, this whole I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what I hear what you're saying, Eleanor. I hear what you're saying, Kennedy. I have to say I'm giving it a five. <laughs> oh. It, oh I felt like this was Do coming I, from you, honestly. I'm I'm, I'm not, not even actually I'm not even mad about it. I'm not even mad about it. So you know Yeah, like, I, I'm gonna be even more critical than Kennedy was. I don't even think that this was a high five. The show gains points for a couple things. The show gains points for doing the scenes where they're at the command center in the suits with the helmets off. Really like that. I think that the Ranger yeah. action sequences where they face the putties has gotten better. There's a couple of other like quality of life upgrades that they've done, but there's a lot of reused footage from season one there's a lot of bad moments. The entire Bulk and Skull subplot could have been erased from the show and nothing would have changed. Like that that entire three-parter, you could have cut off Bulk and Skull's parts and just had it to where the putties attacked the rangers and that was it. With the exception I mean, of Bulk and Skull deciding to look into the identity of the rangers, I would agree. Like you have to at least give them two minutes, but they get like 10 minutes and they don't need most of it. Agreed. I mean, on the other hand, I mean, I agree with you guys. On, on this completely but on the other hand i'm like this is a really high standard because i'm like yeah well you could say that about a lot of bulk and skull like who are just kind of like be real i think 
season in general. Like I said it, but you know, <laughs> I I think at times they provide a meaningful resistance to the Rangers in like interesting ways that further their like personal character development and stuff like that. A great example would be uh, a, an episode we talked about a lot um, in our season one episodes, which was Gung Ho. Uh, where oh yeah okay oh wait I'd like so gung ho so gung ho for me sorry to just like take a back go to off gung-ho and 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 it like interrupt you uh Kennedy that would be like for me that would be like one of the almost perfect uh Power Rangers episodes like that's like is it because Tommy head, was shirtless um a it, it, I think that there's a good Tommy shirtless action um I think that we have some reference to thighs in there um I love Trini saying you guys really need some gung-ho it's like uh <laughs> you know I, I like just again one of those um you know Power Rangers taglines that just exists in my head like so if I think about the Power Rangers that that's one of the episodes that immediately like that's totemic that like uh, pops in there, you know, so it, it's up there with the Pachinko monster. For I, me. I do agree. Uh, I absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah that I was... chose it as one of my favorites from season one. Actually. I thought it was just incredible. It's like a nine out of 10 episode of television. Everyone should watch it. Obviously there's some problems with it. It's still a kid's show from the nineties. Like don't set your sights yeah. so high <laughs> that you can't, that like... you can't see what you're watching, but in the context of what it is, it's incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, again, I suppose that, like, one of the differences between uh, myself and you gentlemen and the way that I'm assigning rankings here is I'm, I'm ranking things as Power Rangers shows and not as, like, shows, shows. High like, prestige let's television. I will yeah, say... Yeah, like, come on, mate. I will say, it's though... It's not Mad Men. My thing is, is that we have a viewer guide, so we already, like, cherry-pick the best of the best on top of, like, necessary uh, canon episodes. So I'm literally just comparing it to other three-parters that have already been done in season one. And like I said, I Fair. think that some of it, some of it's great. I'm not going to lie. They've definitely improved on some of the individual elements, but there was a huge amount of issues. Like Bulk and Skull, I don't mind Bulk and Skull. I've gone on record by saying like, hey, I understand why that character is there, right? It's for the kids to like laugh out loud. Like my son loves Bulk and Skull. He thinks they are the funniest oh. things ever. And um I love that. And like I get it, but normally Bulk and Skull is treated to like maybe two minutes of screen time every episode. In this, they get like five minutes every episode. Like cumulatively, it adds up and they don't they just don't add anything to the plot line, even something comedic, because most of the time it's just like, oh, those filthy like teens over there that are in the in club and we're not a part of that in club. Let's go like bully them or try to bully them. Just like stuff like that. And I, I don't think I don't think it works at all. The Zord fight was also bad. I, I noticed after a while, after watching, like even watching, I think we watched like over 20 episodes of season one, just out of like the canon stuff, seeing reused footage, a lot of reused footage, from season one yeah. make its ba- way back into season two and the opening arc really brought it down for me. I also don't like, we didn't mention it at first, but I really don't like when uh, they do, instead of like Mastodon, you know, like uh, Mastodon, you know, Pterodactyl and all that stuff, when yeah, they yeah. summon the Zords in their outfits and they do the hand movements, the actors then have to do a voice line that's like super fast to coincide with yeah. that that Power Rangers hand movement stuff. So instead, it would be like the pterodactyl or whatever. They'll be like pterodactyl lightning zord, 
And I don't know, man. It's just, there's a lot of stuff that falls flat for me on this one. Um, also, I think by part three, I was realizing that Zed is just Rita, but just quote unquote with a higher power level, you know? Cause like he yeah. was doing the same shit. He was doing the exact same shit. Well, well this is the, this is the thing. This is like my thing and my critique about Zed and like, you know, you know why I think we can't get too excited about like, you know, there is this like oh interest that we get about like oh there's kind of power plays behind the scenes about what's going on for the bad guys. But at the same time I'm like he's all like, "Oh yeah, fuck off out of here, Rita. I'm going to show you how it's done by doing things almost exactly the same way with upgraded putties." Yeah, and, and like cool. Cool. And- Zed just constantly goes, well, no, how about take this and take that? And he's just constantly like summoning spells out of his wand. And by part three, I'm just like, you know what? I'm 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 over it, Zed. I'm over it, dude. Give me something new. None of it, none of it actually materially means much more than what Rita does. It's just more like at least Rita has like, you know, um Rita's like a really kind of um predictable cat or something. You know, she's gonna like (laughs) she's gonna summon the monster she's gonna throw the one like you know exactly what's gonna happen when Zed he acts like he's it's like oh I'm gonna do all these unpredictable things and it ends up being the exact same fucking thing Zed 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 but it, which in many ways is like how he's kind of like an insult you know but you know whatever I, this whole like transition from season one to season two feels a lot like when the independent director that has made like really passionate moving films like gets the big budget and just blows it, you know, <laughs> or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's definitely oh, yes, flashier. I love this. Yes, it's it's like it's like Ryan Johnson going from Brick to the the Brothers Bloom or something like that, where it's like you know you have like a director making just like a ten out of ten film and then getting a much bigger budget and making a film that no one likes or relates to or can even really understand why you made. <laughs> like, You're not that's wrong. how it feels. Yeah, it, it just feels like it feels like yes, there's all this more budget. Like they're having the the Japanese companies film custom stuff for them just to like make everything work because they're so such a big deal now. They are doing better cinematography. The writing is better. Everything's more consistent. And yet, and yet, and yet, <laughs> Eleanor, coming out of this arc, are you willing to revisit mm-hmm. Power Rangers? I think that, like, I I feel almost compelled to do so at this juncture. Um, I mean, like, so because now I'm just sort of thinking about what's coming up and like what that means. Just skip the season. So three. yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. No, I want, I want, I'm going to go at the very least um, rewatch the Pachinko episodes because I nice. just love them. As I say. Nice. Sorry, sorry to keep bringing them up over and over again. I'm like, glad you brought me on uh, for this episode so that I could talk about the Pachinko. <laughs> it's fine. Like, it's you fine. know, really good is when we have like, when we talk about the gambling addiction. <laughs> it's like, you know, I know it's scourge for American teenagers. You'll, maybe you'll have to come back when we get to like Zio or Turbo or something. Cause I think when the show starts yes. to like openly change themes, it's a whole new ball game for like the storytelling and what happens. And yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. 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 yeah this is for kind sure. of foreshadowing for sure. what we think about season two as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Eleanor, is um, there anything you would like to plug? Follow me on Twitter if you want. I've got um, next year coming out a comic book about medieval history, as you do, called The Middle Ages of Graphic History. You can pre-order it now. Uh, my illustrator's just finishing up. It's really good. If you like nerdy shit, 
then you can learn some medieval history and look at some cool pictures, man. I don't know what to say. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, yeah cool. follow me on Twitter at Going Medieval. I yell. I write blogs. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, awesome. it's it's funny to see you just constantly have to combat the rise of fascism in the world and just be like, no, the Middle Ages were not like this. Stop. <laughs> just like, you know what? Go ahead and be like, actually, please don't go ahead and be fascist. Like, please don't be fascist. But also you don't get to use medieval history to, to be a fascist. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense. God damn it. I'm so tired. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eleanor, for coming on board for this week's Sentai Truther Club. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I had more fun than is probably legitimate. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. It'll help other truthers find the club. And be sure to subscribe if you enjoyed the podcast. Our email for questions is sentaitruther at gmail.com. You can follow Kennedy on Twitter at Kennedy T. Cooper. And you can follow me at Gravcast. As always, Rangers, may the power protect you.